My name is Brian, and I'm the lead pastor at Grand Valley Church. We hope that this message helps you explore faith and connect with Jesus. My name is Brian. Today our service is going to be about 25 minutes long as we launch into a new series all about the book of Jonah. Now Jonah is a little book near the end of the Old Testament that maybe you're familiar with the story or maybe this is new to you. But we're going to dive into what we can learn about our faith through this book. But before we get to that, I want to invite you that if you have questions about our church, maybe questions about this message or previous ones, or if you have a prayer request to share, or if you'd like to get our Kids Own at Home resources to have faith conversations with your kids, can you click the link in the video description for our Connect card? And that's a way to get in touch, and I'd love to have a conversation with you or get you the resources to help you have conversations about faith with your kids. So today we are beginning a little series on Jonah. And Jonah is this little book found near the end of the Old Testament. And if maybe you have a background in the church, or maybe you've read some Bible stories from the Old Testament, you might know a bit about Jonah already. In fact, you probably know that Jonah is someone who is running away from what he was supposed to do. He got caught up in a storm. He was thrown overboard by the sailors. Then he gets swallowed by a great big fish. And he spends three days in the fish before he gets spit out of it. And the great big fish really stands out in this story. But when we look at Jonah, the great fish in the book only appears in three verses. In fact, there is a bigger message in the book of Jonah than Jonah being swallowed by a big fish. And that's what we're going to dive into today is what is this bigger message in the book of Jonah that we're going to look at this week and also next week. But first, about the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is remarkably different than the rest of the books of the Minor Prophets. In fact, when you open any of the Minor Prophets, they usually start with saying, this is who was the king during the time when this message from God came to this prophet. It gives right away a date and a setting and gives us some some information about it. And secondly, the other Minor Prophet books mostly just contain speeches. They just contain the message being given from God to this prophet that he was supposed to speak to a group of people at a certain time. But with Jonah, all that is different. In fact, we don't get who was the king at the beginning of this book. In fact, the only hint we have to the timeline is that in 2 Kings 14, there is one reference to Jonah. And so we know that the book of Jonah, this story happened during the time when the nation of Israel had been split in two. The northern half kept the name Israel, the lower half took the name Judah, and so it's in this divided kingdom era. Now, when you look at Jonah, Jonah is really meant to be read as a story. It's meant to be read the whole thing, all four little chapters, one after another. And really, I think that to get in the mindset of Jonah is you have to think about maybe sitting around a campfire with your parents. And one of your parents says to you, hey, did I ever tell you the story of Jonah? And maybe you say, well, no, I haven't heard that one. And so then your parents starts telling you this story of a guy named Jonah and what happened to him. See, when we see Jonah this way, we start to realize there is a lot of similarities between the book of Jonah and how Jesus taught with parables. And for the last few weeks, we looked at some of the parables of Jesus about how Jesus told these stories with a point to get people to think about something or maybe to see something in a new light that they wouldn't have understood otherwise. 
And in Jonah, we kind of see this same sort of thing where everything is exaggerated. Everything is on a giant scale that happens. And so when we look at the book of Jonah, one of the questions that often comes up is we want to say, did this really happen? And a lot of time has been spent trying to figure out how this could have happened, maybe what kind of fish it was. But those kinds of details just aren't in the scriptures. In fact, I think that asking, did this really happen, leads us to miss the bigger point about why Jonah is included in the Hebrew scriptures, which is our Christian Old Testament. And so this book was included for a reason. There is something in it for us to learn about who God is, about God's character, and for us to see things in Jonah's story that might reflect into our own. And so we're just going to dive right into it and start at the beginning. And so Jonah begins this way. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. And now this last name, son of Amittai, means son of faithfulness. And we're going to start seeing that's kind of ironic as we go through this. So Jonah gets told this. He says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. That's what Jonah gets told to do. Now, Jonah What does he do? Well, he gets up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Now, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And Assyria is the nation that within a hundred years of the time period when this happens is going to come in and wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel. Nineveh is the center of Israel's enemy. It is the capital city, and that's where Jonah gets told to go. Go to the central city of your enemy. So it's a little understandable that what he chooses to do is to go in the opposite direction. He goes down to the port, he books passage on the ship that is going the farthest away. So from where he was in Israel, Nineveh was about 500 miles to the northeast, but Tarshish is 2,000 miles due west in what is now the southern coast of Spain. And so Jonah buys a ticket, goes on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. See, he is making it really clear he wants to escape from the Lord. He is giving up. He is trying to get as far away from Nineveh as he can. And so then the story takes the first of these larger-than-life events. It says this, The Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Now, sometimes our English misses little things in the original Hebrew that this was written. When it says, The Lord hurled a powerful wind, this hurled means to target with precision. This is the way you would describe how a skilled soldier would throw a spear and be able to hit a target from yards away. And this causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. The Hebrew actually personifies the ship and says the ship was scared of being broken. That's how violent this storm was. And so the sailors start doing everything they can to survive. They throw the cargo overboard. They're rowing hard. They start praying to all their various gods. But nothing is stopping this storm. Nothing is stopping the danger they're in. And so the captain goes down below decks and he finds Jonah sleeping in the hold, completely oblivious that there's this storm happening around him. And he tells Jonah, get up and pray to your God that we might survive. 
Now, there's no indication that Jonah actually does pray, but he comes up to the deck and the soldiers start casting lots to find out, well, whose fault is this? And that was a common worldview in the ancient Near East, that if some tragedy or some great calamity happened, someone had to have been at fault who angered the god or gods that caused that to happen. And so they cast lots, which means they kind of rolled dice and they believed that the dice would reveal who was responsible. And so the lot falls on Jonah. And they ask him, you know, what's going on here? And so Jonah answers, he says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. So he admits that he worships God and he admits that he believes that God created the sea and the land and that God has sovereignty and dominion over everything. But the soldiers or the sailors are still trying to figure out what do we do? And so they ask Jonah, what's going on? And Jonah tells them, well, I'm fleeing from God, this God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And they're like, well, why would you do that? And Jonah doesn't really have an answer for them. He just says, I'm fleeing from God. And so they say, well, what must we do to you to end this storm? And Jonah, we don't know how he knows this, but Jonah replies and he says, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Again, this exaggerated language is there. And so then these soldiers who previously were crying out to all their gods, says this, then the sailors cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Then the soldiers picked Jonah up, threw him into the raging sea, And the storm stopped at once. Now, oftentimes, this is where the story shifts gears and follows Jonah down into the water. But let's stay on the boat for a second because the next verse tells us something that I find really funny. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Even as Jonah is trying to flee from God and avoid his calling, Jonah causes the sailors to devote themselves to God. (laughs) I mean, Jonah is hiding from his calling. He's running away and he almost accidentally causes these sailors to convert to follow Yahweh. They say they're going to give sacrifices and make vows. And that's temple imagery. They're saying, we're going to go to the temple of Jerusalem. We're going to go to the temple and commit ourselves to the Lord because of what we've done by throwing Jonah overboard. (laughs) And then there's the verse that stands out to all of us. It says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now let's just pause for a second here. Imagine you were hearing this story for the very first time. Maybe you're sitting around a campfire with your parents. You're sitting around the campfire hearing this story for the first time, and they come to this part. They say, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. You're thinking, oh, so he was digested? Like he was eaten? Like what is going on here? And would find yourself probably on the edge of the seat saying, well, what happens next? Like, this can't just be the end of the story. And you're expecting some sort of miraculous way, like, you know, maybe Jonah rides the fish to where he's trying to go, or, or something crazy happens with this fish. But instead, here's what we get. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. 
You might be thinking like, wait, that's, that's a little anticlimactic. There's this massive storm that was quieted by Jonah being thrown overboard. But when he is swallowed by the fish, then he prays. He doesn't pray during the storm. He prays when he's inside the fish. And this just seems like the tension of the story has been rising and rising and rising to this point. And then it just kind of falls flat. You're like, wait, he just prayed? That was it? But in this prayer is where we start seeing what's really going on here. And here's what Jonah prays. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Jonah's prayer starts with this almost past tense recognizing that God heard his prayer. And this is what starts to reveal to us that no matter how far we run to hide from God, he still hears our prayers. Now, no matter how far we try to get, God still heard Jonah's prayer. And in fact, even if you're swallowed by a fish, if that somehow happens to you, you can know that God will still hear your prayer. But there's something in the language of this story up to this point that I want us to dive into for a moment. And I want to track a little word choice that has happened through this story. And maybe you've seen it already in these passages we read it, or maybe you haven't. But let me dive into this with you. Is, and I'm calling this kind of the ups and the downs of Jonah. Because the first verse of Jonah starts this way. It says, The Lord gave this message to Joseph, son of Amittai, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. So those are the two times we see he gets up. He moves in an upward fashion. And then it says he went down to the port. And then a little later when he's on the boat, it says, but all this time during the storm, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. And after he talks with the sailors and they figure out this is what has to be done, the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him down into the raging sea. And if we come back to Jonah's prayer and look at the next verse, Jonah says this, you threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down into the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. See, at the very beginning, God tells Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh. And so Jonah gets up, making it seem like he's going to follow God. But instead, every step of the story from that point end has a downward trajectory. And there's something happening here that someone sitting in about the 6th, 7th century BC would right away understand when they see this combination of up and then down, 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 down. And this actually has to do with how ancient Near East cultures saw the universe. Now, nearly all ancient Near East cultures believed that the universe, or the cosmos, meaning everything around, was made of spherical layers with the realm of heaven at the top over and encompassing everything and the realm of the dead at the very bottom underneath everything. And so a a, a listener in the 6th or 7th century before Jesus, each time Jonah moves down in the story And in his prayer, they would recognize that he is moving another realm away from God. Because at the beginning, he's a prophet. He's someone who communes and talks with God. But through each stage of this story, he's moving downwards further and further away 
from God. And if we pick up his prayer just a few verses later, Jonah says this, he says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains, meaning the foundation under everything. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates lock shut forever. And the language that Jonah is using here means he's actually talking about what they believe to be the realm of the dead. Sometimes translations talk about this in terms of the word sheol, meaning the realm of the dead, the place of the dead, where you go after you die, if you are not a follower of God. See, Jonah believed, when he prays this prayer, he believed that he had run so far from God that he had reached the realm of the dead and was about to die. But then the prayer changes. And Jonah says this, he says, But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. Literally, you robbed me from death. You pulled me away. It says, As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple, meaning that highest of the heavenly realm and how they understood the world to be. See, Jonah's prayer again reveals that God hears earnest prayers no matter how far away we think we are. No matter how far distant we may feel from God, no matter what's happening, what calamity, what tragedy is going on, we can know that God still hears prayer. And that's what stands out so much in this Jonah chapter 2 that is all Jonah's prayer while he's in the fish, is just this is an earnest prayer of deliverance. He goes on, he says, those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies. And this refers back to those sailors on the ship. They prayed to their pagan gods. They prayed to whoever they could think of to pray to. But nothing happened. They didn't see mercy until they recognized that Jonah's God was the true God. And they followed what Jonah said. They tossed him overboard and instantly the seas were calm. And Jonah's reflecting back on that, saying, if you want to worship a false god, you are turning your back on God's mercy. And then Jonah ends his prayer this way. He says, but I will offer sacrifices to you, to God, with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. See, in this moment, Jonah finally realizes what he should have known all along as a prophet. He should have known all along that God would give him salvation. That God does not turn a deaf ear to anyone who calls upon him for salvation. God does not ignore Jonah. In fact, one of the things that the fish tells us is that God provided for Jonah when he was tossed overboard. Not in a comfortable way, not in the way Jonah could have ever expected, but God rescues Jonah from certain death and drowning. And Jonah's rescue finally convinces him to reconsider his refusal to go to Nineveh. He says, I will fulfill my vows. He will do what he has been told to do. And then Jonah 2 verse 10 says this, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And the Hebrew here is really more to vomit, to violently expel Jonah out onto the beach. This isn't like the fish came up and dropped him off and said, see you later, have a nice day. No, this is the fish spit him out, vomited him out onto the beach. So what happens next? Well, this is where we're going to actually leave things today. And next week, we're going to pick up the story of Jonah. 
But for now, I want you just to think about this. If you experienced what Jonah experienced, would you cry out to God? Would you cry out with an earnest prayer asking for deliverance that we know we don't deserve, but we know can only come from God? So is that something that you would call out to if this was happening to you? Thanks for joining us today. Next week, we're going to pick up the story and figure out what happens next with Jonah. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you know of someone that would benefit from hearing the message you just listened to, would you do us a favor and share this podcast with them? And while you're at it, please consider subscribing to be the first to hear when our podcast is updated. If you want to join in on Sundays, our services are streaming online at 11 a.m. Central. To find out more about our church, go to mygrandvalley.ca and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.